This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Football. Energy drinks. Beer. More football. Welcome to Bink at Night. Welcome in. This is Bink at Night. Here on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com. My name is Chris Nocero. Filling in for Bink tonight. My producer is Nolan Brooks on the other side of the glass. Nolan, how are you doing tonight? I'm great, Chris. Good night to be with you, sir. Yes, thank you, sir. Lot to talk about here. We got some aftermath for the Super Bowl to talk about tonight. Chiefs. And where they are going to be going. A little bit of baseball. The only real thing we could talk about baseball. that And it's not even really about the game per se. It's about the lockout. We'll talk about that as well later on in the show. But I want to lead off talking about something near and dear to my heart. If you've been listening to me when I've been producing for uh, Bink the last couple weeks... You'll know that I have been telling everybody, Bink, all the listeners, everyone that I could possibly tell, I did not, I was not excited for that Super Bowl or the Pro Bowl or really anything NFL related because I was still, I still feel in that loss that the Chiefs had to the, uh, to the Cincinnati Bengals and AFC Championship game. Nola, you a Chiefs fan? Unfortunately, no, but... <laughs> With the amount of coverage that I have to do, whether it's writing or coming here and talking about them, I might as well be. Yeah, you might as well. Who's, and, who's your team? I don't know if I want to tell you. No, you got to tell if me. I hurt your feelings. I'm not going to hurt my feelings. Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys? Okay, I'll try not to hurt your feelings tonight. Uh, yeah, I know. That's tough. I'll that's try tough. to not hurt my own feelings yeah, and diss but, my own self. But, oh, man, that's tough. Yeah. With how much I cover the Chiefs, though, I felt the pain of that loss. And I, I definitely was like, all right, this one's gonna sting Kansas City for a I little mean, while. I mean, you might as well jump over to jump over to that red and gold if you're a Cowboys fan. That's a little bit of a rough fandom, man. I, I, I can I can attest to that because I know some, I got I got some family that are that are Cowboys fans, so I know. But like, if if you are a fan of a football team that's like you're you're real diehard, you know what it feels like. For me, the last couple weeks, if your team's ever been successful, some of y'all ain't really had a lot of success to to be a part of, to witness. So y'all don't understand. But like for us Chiefs fans, like we all know what it's like. We know what it's like to be in a situation now 
where you were a hundred percent convinced your team was going to go to a, go play for a championship and they lost the way that they did. And it, and it hurt. And I was down. Like I was telling everybody, like everybody was asking me questions all the last few weeks. Oh, who, who are you picking to, to, to win the Super Bowl? Who are you rooting for? And I was like, Oh, I don't care. I don't Bink a couple weeks ago was trying to talk mock drafts with me. And I was like, I was not having it because I was, I was not seriously. I was salty about that, that loss. The last two weeks were just not for me because I, I, I haven't felt like that. Uh, those are, for those of y'all don't know, I'm a, I'm a Florida Gators football fan. And uh, the last time I felt like that as a sports fan was in Florida, got Molly by Alabama back in 2009 in the uh, SEC championship game. Uh, Florida was like number one all year long. And I, I was a terrible Florida fan back then. I was cocky as hell. I was like what Kansas fans are here in Kansas City. Like, I was talking so much trash. I was terrible. All my friends in college hated me. And I, when they lost in that SEC championship game, I, I literally w- didn't want to come out. I didn't want to leave my apartment. I didn't want to go to school because I, I was a sophomore in college. I didn't want to do anything because I was so embarrassed. Like I didn't want to watch football anymore. I was, and and that was the year like the Chiefs sucked. So you know it, it's not like I had anything to root for at that point in football with my college football team going down in embarrassing fashion in the SEC championship game and the Chiefs in the first year of the of the uh, Todd Haley era going. I think they won four games that year. So it was like it was really embarrassing, and I just I didn't want to do it. I wanted nothing to do with football after that. It was hard for me to watch the national title game. I think it was Bama and Texas. I think that year, it was hard. So I I felt like that the last couple weeks. It was hard for me getting on the air. Uh, the I think it was the Wednesday after when I when me and Bink came on and and talked Chiefs after that game. I was on the air. Just mere hours after that loss. It was me. Sean Levine was across from me. Uh, Tenpenny was on the other side producing. And it was so hard for me to get through those three hours on the air. Like, I, I when I walked in the studio, and it was Bink, and it was... Um, and, and Julio were in here chilling, and I was just cursing. That's how mad I was. So I, I know what it was like. It was devastating. But I, I went out for a Valentine's Day dinner... Sunday night for the Super Bowl. I didn't even think about it. My girlfriend set it up. She got, got us a reservation for hula hands, and I I didn't care. I was like, I don't, who cares about that game? I'm going to go eat some hula hands, enjoy some time with my girlfriend, you know, spend some quality time together for the Valentine's holiday. And we're sitting there eating, and I the, there's like a partition in between where we were sitting at and the bar which had the TVs on and I hear the national anthem going on uh, for the game and automatically I'm like starting to get back into that football mode again all of a sudden I'm like okay I really want the Rams to win and I was trying to like I was trying to convince myself that it was oh because I want to see OBJ get a ring because I'm a big OBJ fan I root for the guy. I wanted to see him get a ring because he's he's certainly one of the best talents I think we've seen in receiver at a receiver in modern times. He just has had unfortunate luck with injuries, and he gets a little bit too much flack from media and fans. And I wanted to see Aaron Donald get a ring because Aaron Donald's one of the greatest, maybe the greatest defensive player we've seen since the turn of the century. 
And a lot of times, there's a lot of great defensive players throughout history we haven't seen go get rings. So it was nice to see him get one. I, I was hoping that uh, he could get a ring so no idiot out there tried to use it against him. Oh, he didn't have a ring. Reggie White had a ring. Lawrence Taylor had a ring, but Aaron Donald doesn't have one. So I was happy. I, I was rooting for that. But inside, like as the game went along, I realized that the reason why I was so – I was rooting for the, the Rams so much is because I'm still pretty salty about that Bengals game. Because I know, I, I still feel in my heart of hearts that that Chiefs team was better than that Bengals team two weeks ago. They just didn't play like it. They didn't perform and they needed to in the second half and they lost. And they lost fair and square. It wasn't like the Week 17 game where the refs, you know, almost, you know, almost seemingly tried to give it to the, the Bengals with all those terrible calls. They lost fair and square. They lost because of their shortcomings. Mahomes choked, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we, we had that discussion. So I, I was content on, on, on why they lost, but I was still pretty salty about the fact that they lost. And as the game went along, I just found myself, like, just drawn in. Like, by, half, by like the middle of the second quarter, you know, I'm putting clothes away and whatnot and changing into my PJs, and my girlfriend's like, oh, oh I thought you said you weren't into this game. And I was like, I'm not. But like, you know, you you know how you get caught in a lie by your significant other and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, you, you was definitely faking back there when you said that. Yeah, that was me. I was faking about how I felt about this game. All the last two weeks, I said I wasn't into it. I didn't care. But when I started to see that game progress, get to the middle of the second quarter, when the Rams went up 13 to three and I was just sitting there, I was like, yeah, let's go Rams. And it was because I was still pissed about that Bengals loss. We get to halftime, great halftime show. Then as we go through the second half, I'm just sitting there on the edge of my seat. I was walking around the living room, pacing the whole time. And then we get to that final sequence. And the Rams had to make a play in order to win the game. They're down. Uh, no OBJ. And I was really down about OBJ getting hurt. Then you get this amazing call (laughs) and you get this amazing play here. And I just remember just being uh, so ecstatic. I jumped up. I thought I like I hurt my knee. I I thought I like tore my ACL or something like some of those guys uh, after they celebrate in the NFL. Like after this call, I was so ecstatic. This is the 15th play of the drive. Four runs, 10 passes. Second to go. Pass. Caught. Got it. Touchdown. This guy has had some year. Al, I've got to tell you, in a pressure situation, I don't know if I have ever seen anybody be better than Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. They had no choice. That was the entirety of their passing game, and they got it done for the go-ahead touchdown. I was so happy. Like, seriously, I, I felt it felt like it wasn't it wasn't like the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, but like it, it felt like the Chiefs had won like a big game against a big opponent. Like maybe it felt like when the Chiefs beat the Steelers a couple, you know, a couple weeks before. It it felt it felt it was so good. Like I was so happy. And then it was funny. I actually found this gym 
when I came in today listening to this, and I just got some of that feeling back uh, from Sunday night. Long count. Joe has the ball. Drops back to throw. He gets hit. He gets rid of the ball. It's ah. incomplete. Intended for P. Ryan. And the Los Angeles Rams are going to win the Super Bowl. It doesn't feel the same as the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, even getting to the Super Bowl. It's not going to feel the same as if the Chiefs would have beaten the Bengals and gotten there. But, man, it was good enough. It was satisfying enough, and it got me out of my funk. And because of that, I'm ready to talk some football today. I got a lot of football talk for you. Um, There is something that really, really, at the end of that game, really got me excited. I was so juiced after that that I was, like, up for, like, the next probably three hours, like, just thinking of all the different things I could talk about and all the different implications. And that was the fact that the guy who had became public enemy number one here in Kansas City, in New Orleans, in New York, and everywhere else around the country had gotten his just desserts. That was cornerback Eli Apple. Eli Apple went out there and he was talking the talk all the last two weeks. He got the Chiefs after the game. He was talking about McColl. He was talking talking about Tyreek. And not only that, last week he was on podcasts like giving away the game. He was telling everybody, oh, we figured them out. They gave they had all these tells. And and let's be honest here. He probably wouldn't lie about that. Chiefs probably do have some tells. They got some things they got to fix this offseason. So I I certainly am not going to be mad at him for going out there and talking about that because it it was an intelligent talk in that regards. And it's problematic that the Chiefs have tells that defenses know, okay, they're going to do this. Let's let's go about coverage this way. They're going to have to address that this offseason. Hopefully Andy and whoever the offensive coordinator ends up being this year address that this offseason because they got a lot of work to do if teams know what they're going to do pre-snap. But, man, the way that he was trying to bury the Chiefs, the way that he was trying to bury New Orleans, he didn't just say New Orleans football sucks. He was talking about the food is bad. I mean, he was... He was a sports villain. I, if y'all ever listened to me before, y'all know I hate sports movies. Not a fan of it. Cliched storylines, et cetera, et cetera. But he was like the perfect sports movie villain. He was the guy that you everybody could just universally hate. And wasn't it poetic? Wasn't it the perfect storybook ending when we could hear this happen? At the end of that game. This is the 15th play of the drive. Four runs. Ten passes. Second to go. Pass. Caught. Got it. Touchdown. This guy has had some year. Al, I've got to tell you, in a pressure situation, I don't know if I have ever seen anybody be better than Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. They had no choice. That was the entirety of their passing game, and they got it done for the go-ahead touchdown. And you best believe when, when that pass was caught, I was looking at the at the Bengals cornerback's number. I was like, please be 20. Please be 20. Please be 20. And as soon as I saw the 2-0, I jumped up. I was like, yes, that is what we needed. 
It was such a perfect ending. And it was so hilarious after because then on Twitter, Tyreek came after his head. Though, you know, Tyreek. Tyreek's not one of those guys who's going to add you. He's going to throw like a passive shot. McColl, though, wasn't playing around. McColl added him. He had a he had a, a video of the ring. He's like, maybe you can win one of these days. Win one of these these days. Uh, Colin Saunders went after him. He had a video. He was flipping him the bird with the ring on. It was just perfect. Armani Watts did. Not only that. But you had Hollywood Brown from the Ravens and uh, Lamar Jackson went after his head. Michael Thomas, his former teammate down in New Orleans, went after his head. It was just perfect. And it was a storybook ending. It's really what was not that exciting of a Super Bowl. I mean, it was probably the – I mean, last year's wasn't exciting either because we just watched Patrick Mahomes run around for four quarters. But, I mean, man, that was not that exciting. But I was on the edge of my seat, in part because I didn't want the Bengals to win because I was still salty about that loss. But also, if anybody was going to get cooked at the end of that game for the Rams to win, I wanted it to be Eli. They're actually showing the replay right now on NFL Network. I was so excited about it, and that just made my night. So uh, I'm back in it now, guys. I'm, I'm here talking football the rest of not the entire time, but most of the way. And coming up next... I'm going to tell you why the real ones, the betters, they know who the favorites are uh, in the NFL next year, and it ain't the teams that played in the Super Bowl. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. In here on Bink at Night, 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com, the Odyssey app. Jay's Southland Toe Service text line 913 576 7610 from the 913. I couldn't watch sports until the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl after the Bengals lost. Clearly, I need to adjust my priorities in life, but I totally relate. Yeah, like I said, I and I'm typically one of the, like, especially in previous years, because we all know what it was like in previous years as Chiefs fans before Mahomes. Like, pre-Mahomes, yeah, we'd be pretty mad about, like, a playoff loss or whatever if the team didn't make the playoffs. But, like, by Tuesday or Wednesday, we're, like, looking at mock drafts because, like, we realized, yeah, we knew that that team wasn't going to the Super Bowl. Like, 
as as pissed off as I would be about the Alex Smith Chiefs not being real Super Bowl contenders, and and for those of y'all that listen to me during those times, uh, you know, y'all know I was the president of the Alex Smith Haters Club. I would be over those losses pretty quickly. The Titans loss where they gave up, you know, 19 unanswered points and, and lost 22 to 21 because they let Derrick Henry just carry the, the Titans back to to uh, to a victory. Yeah, I was I was mad about that for like 24 hours. And then I was like, okay, cool. No more Alex Smith. We can move on to Patrick Mahomes and we're good now. So, like, I understand if – you, it took you longer to get over it because it sure as hell took me. It wasn't until that national anthem started being sung when I was sitting there at hula hands and I was watching the game in the mirror too because, I, I, like I said, they, there was that partition there. So I couldn't – I had to look over it to, to see the TV. But there was this mirror on the wall uh, behind where my girlfriend was sitting so I could, I could watch the game there, but obviously it's like reversed. But I was peeking at it and I was like, okay, I think I might be interested in this game. And then by the time I got home, I was like, I was into it. Like it was like seven three at that time, and then the 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 bang the um, Rams scored their second touchdown. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm in it now. I'm in it now. So I can I can understand. It was tough. It was so hard getting over that loss. And you know now it's like it it still kind of hurts, but it's not the end of the world. But now we move on to the discussion for next season for the Chiefs. And there's a lot to look forward to here for the 2022 season. According to the Caesar Sportsbook, the Chiefs are right now the betting favorites to win Super Bowl 57. They are plus 600 right now, uh, which, you know, obviously are the betting favorites. Uh, The Bills are right behind them at plus 650. Mind you, this is without having uh, all the offseason improvements in place that we believe will be coming. And... uh, there are some sports books that have the bills listed as a slight favorite over their chiefs, but it's pretty standard chiefs bills right there. One, a one B as far as the favorites to take the national football league championship next season. Right now, the champion Rams are third. Last time I checked, they were plus 800 Bengals are fourth best odds at plus 1000. And I do find that interesting because generally the participants of the Super Bowl are usually like the top two teams listed there as far as odds to win the championship. I believe the Bucks and Chiefs were the top two teams with odds uh, as far as champion the championship goes uh, for this past season. Uh, two seasons ago when it was the Chiefs and Niners. I believe it was the Chiefs and Niners who had the top odds to go back to the Super Bowl, who had the top two odds to win the Super Bowl the next season. So it's actually really weird to see that a team like the Chiefs, who lost an AFC championship game, and a team like the Bills, who lost in the divisional round to the team that lost in the AFC championship game, are the two highest odds to win the Super Bowl right now, according to the Caesar Sportsbook. Again, there are different sports books that have the Bills with better odds. But nonetheless, it shows that the Chiefs are starting to get the benefit of the doubt. It shows that they are a safe option. And it also kind of shows you the harsh realities for the Rams and for the Bengals to get back to the Super Bowl. The Rams right now do have some pretty tough obstacles. They built their team in a, in a, in a pretty weird way. Obviously, they, they did uh, draft 
most of the players on their squad. They did have a lot of homegrown players, but they also went out and brought a lot of high-profile players in via trades. Matt Stafford, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Vaughn Miller, Jalen Ramsey, uh, guys that they had brought in the last three years via trade. Um, they also spent a lot of capital to try to improve their offense elsewhere. Well, not, not a lot of capital, but they invested in their in their offense elsewhere, bringing in Robert Woods uh, a couple years ago, OBJ as well this past season in the middle of the season when the Browns released him. Uh, Robert Woods obviously got hurt, but still they were looking to try to have a super team, if you will, on the offensive end. But they still right now have some obstacles because – there's some question marks about their roster going forward. Aaron Donald, we don't know if he's gonna if he's gonna retire. There's been kind of stuff floating around about whether or not he's gonna retire. And you know, here's Aaron Donald kind of answering, kind of basically dodging the question in regards to whether or not he's looking at retiring. There's a lot of talk that that this might be it to to seal a Super Bowl like that with the win. Is is this something that can lead you off into the sunset i'm just i'm just in the moment right now i'm gonna join this with my family i got my kids i promised my daughter this when she was five years old to play in the confetti she got to do that today was that fun yeah. so um i'm just in the moment right now i'm, I'm gonna enjoy this with my teammates um my family um and i'm just gonna be in the moment and, 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 and enjoy this today for a couple days how about that um so um it's a blessing so they might have him. They might not have him. He's 30 years old. So uh, generally right around that age, a lot of guys start thinking about hanging it up. Football's tough on your body, especially for someone who plays in the trenches like him. So he may not get in there and, and decide to come back for 2022. So, you know, I, I think there's a chance that they could end up losing out on him. Well, I mean, it's very rare that you have a player – build up the resume that he has by 30. Yeah, yeah. So it almost, it it would be upsetting to lose him because, again, he's a perennial defensive player. He is once-in-a-generation type guy. But at the same time, if he did decide to hang it up, it's like, all right, you helped us out. You didn't do, you know, bare minimum. You went out and became arguably one of the greatest defensive players of the modern era. Yeah, and so, it's like it's like the perfect way to go out too because you don't I mean, how many guys get to go out winning a title? I mean, there's a lot I mean, John Elway did, um Gronk did until he came back. I mean, there's a lot of guys that that don't get the opportunity to go out the way that he did, uh, the, the way that he would if you were to, to hang it up. So, like, I could understand if he were to, to decide to hang it up. Um, I've, and I, I do like the fact that he, you know, basically was very evasive on that because, like, you don't want to make an emotional decision. Like, no, nah, I'm coming back. And then, like, two weeks later, you're like, ah, okay, yeah, maybe not. Maybe I don't want to go through the offseason process. Uh, they could also lose OBJ in free agency. And, and I know that he – you know, tore his ACL in the game uh, in the Super Bowl in the second quarter, which hurt me at the time because I was like, oh, no, don't tell me the Bengals are going to win because OBJ tore his ACL. Uh, but they pulled it out and, and, and certainly saved my mood as far as football goes the rest of the offseason. But if he doesn't come back, that is a hit to their offense. Robert Woods is still a very good receiver, but OBJ is on a different level when he's healthy. And then there's also talk about their coach, Sean, uh, Sean McVay, not coming back. Which, a little weird to me, but he has actually been very evasive about potentially coming back 
for the Rams next season, which you know is a little surprising. He's the youngest head coach to ever win a Super Bowl at 36 years old. So you figure, hey, man, if you can go out there and, and pull a, a Don Shula-type career where you start coaching in your 30s and you start you rack up a bunch of wins, maybe you could – I mean, like, I think we can all, if you look at the the wins numbers, at some point, Bill Belichick, if he keeps coaching, like three, four more seasons will pass Shula. But, you know, McVay at his age could catch up to Shula in, in, in no time. You know, a couple of decades from now, if he keeps going, he's got a chance. So they that's really their only obstacles, the Rams, as far as getting back to the Super Bowl. Because when you look at the rest of the NFC, there's a lot of question marks about that about that conference. I mean, you don't have Tom Brady in the NFC anymore because he retired. Uh, now, there has been talk that he might come back, uh, people speculating on it. He has shut all of that down, but there is the potential he could come back because he's still playing well, and you you know how that works. A lot of these guys who are really competitive, really successful, they still get that itch. They still want to come back and play. So I could I don't think anybody would be shocked if Tom Brady decided to come back. You have questions about Aaron Rodgers, though the last couple weeks things seem to have smoothed over and their little gravy there. And we could see Aaron Rodgers decide to stay in in Green Bay. I know that from everything that we've heard the last week, the Packers are gonna do everything to try to keep him there. Uh they reportedly want to sign him to an extension. But let's say that things don't work out. Let's say that he ends up wanting to be traded. He's probably going to get traded to the AFC. If that happens, Packers done as a contender. And all of a sudden now, that's one obstacle out of the way for the Rams. And then you also have Russell Wilson. And that situation is still developing. Reports are saying that the Seahawks have absolutely no intention of moving Russell Wilson. But you never know. Things could change. And it might be a situation where... They decide, yeah, we can't salvage this, and we're not going to sit around and, and mess around with this quarterback that could drag this team down. And if that happens, then he could get moved, obviously, again, probably to the AFC, get him out of the out of the conference, and that would eliminate another obstacle, though, to be honest. Seahawks haven't been good with Russell Wilson the last couple seasons, so it might not be that much of an obstacle to have him in the in the conference anyways. So even if these guys do play, they, they might – not, they might not be real competition for them in that conference. Then you also have the, the Cardinals. Um, looked like they were going to be the best team in the conference. Then all of a sudden they just fell apart. And now you look at the, that team in the offseason, look like they're kind of in shambles. Tyler's blaming everyone but himself in Phoenix. And you can't really be certain with the Cardinals when you got a situation like that where your quarterback's blaming everyone else. So, And, and then on the other side, you got the Bengals. Bengals got a real tough road. I, I've seen people last week that were like, oh, Bengals will win that AFC North. How do we know that? AFC North's tough, tough division. I mean, if the Steelers get a quarterback, they're automatically much, much better than they were this year. If the Ravens get healthy, they're much, much better than they were this year. And they were with, without a lot of key players, still a really good team. If the Browns can get healthy in part, but if they can get some weapons for uh, for um, Baker Mayfield to throw to because he ran off OBJ, that team could be pretty good. They were pretty good when they had Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb healthy. When those two guys were there, they were pretty damn good. Their defense was a flop, Jadavian Clowney and all that. They were, they were a flop, but they still got some talent there. You got to go through that, and that Bengals team was 10-7 and seven during the regular season. 
And they weren't that great in the playoffs. They won games, but they weren't dominant. They were winning. Their their average points per game scored was 23. Their average points per game allowed was 20. So they were winning by three-point averages all throughout the postseason. They were not dominating competition. So this isn't a team that we can just sit around and assume is just going to keep going out and winning games the way that they do because that's just generally not how the league is built. I, I know we look at the Chiefs' success and we, we think that that's what teams do nat- you know, naturally when they rise up, but that's not always what happens. We see teams all the time that are successful one year and then they fall off the next year. Some teams do buck that trend, but a lot of teams don't. And I something tells me that this Bengals team might have a tougher road than we think trying to get back into that, uh, into that position that they were in this year. So we can't take that for granted, and that's the reason why the Chiefs and the Bills right now are the favorites to win the Super Bowl for next season. Coming up next, I tell you the biggest problem with the Matt Stafford Hall of Fame discussion it, and, and, the, and the things that it brings to light. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Now that the Los Angeles Rams have won the Super Bowl a couple nights ago, it creates the new question, the new debate that we've been having all week. Is Matthew Stafford a Hall of Fame quarterback? And it's it's an interesting debate. We've heard it being tossed out there on various media platforms. But I, I do find it interesting in the in regards to the fact that if you look at Stafford statistics, you could make a pretty damn strong case that Matt Stafford is a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's he's 12th all time in passing yards. He's thrown for like just five yards short of, of 50,000, which is more than 22 Hall of Fame quarterbacks. 12th all time in passing touchdowns of 323. Fourth in passing yards per game. And he's fifth in fourth quarter comebacks with 34. And he is now a Super Bowl champion. So, yeah, you could make a case that he is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, I don't think you can really hold the Lions tenure against him, though I think a lot of people are. Because, I mean, look, there's been a lot of great players that that organization has had. And, you know, that that team's never played in a Super Bowl. They've never been to... They, 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 they obviously have never won a Super Bowl. I mean, they really have never really come that close to being a Super Bowl team. So, I mean, we're not we're not using that to hold back the discussion of Barry Sanders is one of the best running backs of all time, if not the best. And Calvin Johnson is one of the best wide receivers of all time. So uh, I certainly think that Matt Stafford will be in the Hall of Fame because when you look at those accolades, you look at those statistics, the accomplishments, he gets in for sure. But... Should he be in? And I don't think so. I don't think that he should be in the Hall of Fame. And the reason why is because I think we've lacked the standards of what makes a Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't think he, like, to me, when I think of a Hall of Fame quarterback, it isn't just, oh, where do you rank in all-time passing yards? Because let's be honest here. The NFL changed the rules in both in 1979 when they introduced the Mel Blunt rule 
to try to beef up passing numbers because the passing games were so terrible pre-Mel Blunt rule because you could jam receivers within 10 yards instead of five. And then in 2004, they started to more strictly enforce pass interference on the defense, illegal contact, and uh, defensive holding. They started to enforce those rules so much more heavily now that we are seeing quarterbacks do, like, for instance, 4,000-yard seasons, which were a rarity back in in the 70s, 80s, 90s, are now commonplace. It's like at least 10 quarterbacks that throw for 4,000 yards every season. It's not even that impressive anymore when a guy does it. Ryan Tannehill's done it a few times. Does anybody consider him a top-tier quarterback? No. Like, not even Titans fans will tell you that that guy's a top-tier quarterback. It It's kind of diluted the numbers that we see. So, basically, anybody who plays in the NFL as, as a quarterback for a long time and has a decent career is going to be ranked highly as far as passing numbers go, as far as passing touchdowns go. So I don't think you can use his statistics. And I don't think we've ever really defined Matt Stafford as an elite quarterback. Maybe some of you have listening. I don't know about you, Nolan. I don't, I don't, I've never defined him as an elite quarterback. But like I define an elite quarterback as a quarterback that I look at and I feel like a, they're gonna they're gonna always or almost always perform well. They're always gonna be one of, if not the reason why their team wins. Their team is generally a contender. And on top of that, that person is someone that can make talent around them better. They can make receivers better. Obviously, you still need good talent, but that's someone who's going to go out there and carry his team, carry the weapons around him onto success. And when I look at Stafford, I saw a guy that put up a lot of numbers but didn't do a ton of winning. And I don't think we ever looked at him as being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Certainly, we look at him and say he's had some of the best stats in the NFL. He's a great fantasy quarterback. I'll tell you that. I Matt Stafford's been one of my guys. He's been a gravy train in fantasy for years. And it's great because you can usually, usually draft him like the ninth, tenth round, and you can get a lot of bang for your buck there, quarterback. So, uh, I, seriously, he's elite as, fan, as far as fantasy goes. But as a quarterback, I don't, say, I don't think he stinks or anything. I just don't think that he's anything more than a stat sheet stuffer, if you will. It's the reason why they call him uh, Stat Padford when he was in Detroit. Because he put up a lot of numbers and didn't do a whole lot of winning or anything like that. His stats are great, didn't do a lot of winning. And so I just don't think you can put that guy in the Hall of Fame, even with the Super Bowl. I mean, look, Eli Manning's got two rings, and those two rings are probably going to get him there. But if you ask me, I'm not putting Eli Manning in the in the Hall of Fame for the very same reason. He never was the quarterback in the NFL or one of the quarterbacks in the NFL. He's a good quarterback. I mean, there were times where Eli Manning looked like he was really damn good. He looked like he was a Manning. And then there were times where he never looked great. There were times where you're like, oh, man, Eli has like got over 20 interceptions on the season. Like, how is this? Why is this guy still the starter there? You know, and, or Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers is another guy. Like, I've, I've had this debate with Bink so many times here on the air because he thinks Philip Rivers gets in. I do think Philip Rivers gets in, but I don't think Philip Rivers should get in because, again, he didn't, he, he's, he hasn't done as much winning as you should. Because I, I do think that you got, especially in the playoffs, you got to be someone that gets your team to the playoffs pretty regularly uh, in order to, to qualify for the Hall of Fame, I think. And and he didn't do that. He was he 
Phillip Rivers only made the playoffs like seven times in his career. Less than half of the seasons he played, he made the playoffs. Uh, did a lot of losing in the playoffs when he would get there. Um, and on top of that, he was very much up and down. He had some seasons where he was tossing 20-plus interceptions and some seasons where he actually looked like he was a top-tier quarterback, but it didn't matter when it counted. And for me, I, I just can't put a guy like that in the Hall of Fame. But Philip Rivers is going to get in the Hall of Fame. Eli Manning is going to get in the Hall of Fame. And I think now, uh, I was about to say Stat Patford. Matt Stafford is going to get into the Hall of Fame because now he ticks all these boxes for all these people. And you're going to have people in that in that room who are voting for him. And they're going to say, oh, he's 12. Well, at this point, he's probably going to be top 10 by the time he retires. He's going to be top 10 in yards, top 10 in touchdowns, top 10 in all these statistics. And that's going to be the argument that gets him in. And I just feel like we've kind of lacked the standards of what makes you a Hall of Fame quarterback. Because back then, it was like, you got to win. you got to be successful in the playoffs. You know, you have to be the reason or one of the reasons why your team is getting there. Or get to the playoffs regularly. Did you see what Richard Sherman said about Oh, yeah. Matt Stafford? It was gospel. It was it, word. No all-decade team, no all-pro, no MVP, one Pro Bowl, not even Super Bowl MVP, never considered the best any year. At least Matt Ryan has an MVP. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think Matt Ryan should get in. I know he's got the MVP and whatnot, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't give my vote for Matt Ryan either. That's another fantasy quarterback that is oh, just lights oh out. Oh, God, I love it. 325, yes. three tutties oh, every yeah. week, every about 45 points uh, up on the board. Good for a good 4,200-plus yards every year. Oh, yeah, I know. Matt's, Matt Ryan is is definitely one of those guys, like, you're sitting there, ninth round, tenth round, you're like, okay, I, I, can, I can draft a few more receivers if Matt Ryan is going to still be on the board in the ninth or tenth. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. But, like, that's another guy. I wouldn't put him in the Hall of Fame. Great numbers, and he'll certainly be one of the elite passers on the all-time list when he hangs it up, because he already is right now, even though he's still playing. But it's like you, it's got to be more than just that. But guys like that will get in because of the way that the numbers have changed, but the numbers don't mean as much as they used to, and that's the reason why I can't put him in the Hall of Fame. Coming up next, there's a news report that's come out about the kind of money one of our divisional rival quarterbacks could be making. And I'm going to tell you this, it could be good for the Chiefs. I'll tell you what that is next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. in here on Bink at Night, 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com. Chris Nocero, Nolan Brooks filling in. Got some good, good news coming in, breaking news coming in from Las Vegas, from Las Vegas Journal. According to, let me get his name, Vincent uh, Bonsignor, I, I think that's how you pronounce it. I, I probably butchered his name. Um, they are reporting that the Las Vegas Raiders are prepared to negotiate with Derek Carr on an extension that would keep him in Vegas for the foreseeable future and would likely pay him somewhere in the ballpark of about $40 million a year. Oh, man, that makes me feel pretty good as a Chiefs fan. I'll tell you that. Like, look, 
We've got Justin Herbert in the division, and yeah, Justin Herbert is going to be a problem for the foreseeable future. Uh, the Broncos right now don't have a quarterback. I know there's people in Denver and around that are trying to make the case for Drew Locke, but Drew Locke, he ain't no damn franchise quarterback. Derek Carr is is one of those guys. He's basically the Alex Smith of, division, of the division uh, without all the winning. If we can go and have an Alex Smith in the division for the foreseeable future, Except he's not quite as successful because he doesn't make the uh, he doesn't make the playoffs that often. I think that was only the second time that he got them to the playoffs in his career. Yeah, I'll take that. I'm I'm cool with that. I'm very happy about this news because it means that the Chiefs probably aren't going to have to worry about the Raiders anytime soon. And and I know that he is is happy with the addition of Josh McDaniels. That was reportedly his number one choice to be the replacement for John Gruden. Uh, and Rich Bisaccia's head coach there in, in Vegas. But, man, if they're willing to pay that man $40 million to be an, uh, an above-average quarterback and that's it, yeah, we'll take that in Kansas City. I'll tell you this, that is good-ass news for us because we know we're going to have a, a, a battle every time we play the Los Angeles Chargers every year, twice a year. So it's nice that we know to know that the Raiders will have a, a mediocre-ass quarterback that can't play in the cold weather whenever we play them the two times that we play them a year. Coming up next, I'm going to tell you why the Chiefs might not be the model franchise in the NFL. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 